Welcome back to Leo Roundtable. Chief Newman, you were deep in thought on the last topic, so please, please continue. No, I just think that people think they know what we go through and think they know what we saw because they watch reruns of Cops or they're tight dialed in the Chicago PD on ABC every other Tuesday, right? They really don't appreciate it until you really see people at their worst as a daily part of what you're working with. It's really, really hard. And you can do a lot like, you know, take them to academies and citizens academies and ride alongs. But man, I got to tell you something. You know, I remember being in the projects, you know, at two or three o'clock in the morning and there were infants running around with diapers because mom hadn't gotten home yet, you know, and we're seeing kids raise kids. Um, it's difficult. I mean, and you see that you go home and you're like, you know, that's, you know, that's not the way I would raise my children or I would do certain things. And I don't think people realize that wears on you. It, does it make you jaded? I'm, I'm sure at some point it does. But to say that you would know what cops go through in that survey, I think is a little misleading because unless you've been there and did that for a while, you're, you don't get to see it all the time. And you get, it, 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 it really impacts the way you look at the world. And I don't think the average person under, will ever appreciate that. I'm going to speak personally. I grew up in a family with really no law enforcement other than extended family. And, you know, I, I agree with John. You There's no way to prepare somebody for some of the things that you're going to see. Nobody on, on the outside can, can understand that. I remember my first year, year and a half, I was guarding a leg, you know, on a traffic crash. I remember smelling brain matter, you know, different things like that, that they're going to, you know, they're going to horn you in on. Like, these are the things that people can't understand that. I grew up in a strict Catholic family. We saw nothing out of the wild, nothing crazy. I wanted to do this career. I wanted to go federal, you know, but for me, you know, we were, I was shot at my first year. You're like all of these things that you sit there, nobody can understand any of the things that you go through. And, you know, you sit there and, and the bad guy that, you know, that just shot somebody else, you know, holding, holding a bandage on, you know, a sucking wound, you know, you're sitting there, you, you can't train those things. You can't teach those things. You can't describe those things. That's why we're all a little bit messed up. <laughs> That's why we're all a little bit different. We have a different, you know, we have different discussions at the dinner table. We have um, a different life. It's never going to be easy. It's never going to be completely understood. And, you know, that's one reason why we kind of stick together because, you know, we, we kind of understand, we have an understanding in, in our career. Hey, 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 Dave, before you go real fast, because I'll forget this. Kevin Gilmartin writes a lot about, you know, the emotional survival law enforcement, great guy out of Arizona. And he always goes, he stands up in front of like, you know, the Kiwanis, the Knights of Columbus, you know, Chamber of Commerce and says, look, I'm going to give you a word. You tell me, you tell, I'm going to give you an occupation and give you the first thing that pops out of your head. And he'll say, you know, Boy Scout, troop leader. And, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, good guy, standard bearer, right? Leader. We ask the same question to a bunch of cops. What's the first thing that we say? <laughs> Pedophile, deviant. <laughs> that, that example in his book, Emotional Survival, says it all about law enforcement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I would, I would um, on the article that we're talking about, it, it was a pretty decent article. I, I liked reading it. It had a lot of good points in it. And John and Andrea touched on, on all those. But what I was hoping Chip was going to do and, and what I would encourage any, anybody else that's watching the show or listening to the show does, if you go to Police One and you look at the article, there's a, there's a companion article that goes with it. And it's a, a letter to the American public, why you must decide what you want from cops. And it was, a, it was, a, it was written by a woman, um, what was her name? Uh, something Diaz, I think, Kathleen Diaz. And a very decent little article. And the only parts, the one part of it that really leapt out at me was 
and we've talked about this before, it says they, they, the public wants the Demon Malinois, 55 pounds of rawhide, spring steel, and gator teeth, driving into the gunfire and doing anything it takes, anything, to, sa to, to save and keep your children safe. And once the threat is gone, society wants the Malinois to morph back into the therapy dog. They want the warrior gone, the counselor returned, and the off switch thrown. That's not how it works, and it's not fair. Those are the points. That's the type of thing that you, when you read that, it gives you another perspective, and it kind of goes hand in hand with that first article on, on the way that cops work, the, 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 the types of, of uh, stresses that they work under on a daily basis. And for, for someone who's never done it, never been exposed directly to it, to have any understanding of that is absolutely folly. It's foolish. There's no way you're going to do it. So that second article, that companion article, is, is another nice little article. If you get a chance to read it, I suggest it. It, it was kind of cool. Hey, thanks, thanks, David. And Aunt, before Andrea goes, uh, Chief John, in that article, in that in that book that that guy wrote, did he? One of the words he threw out was it happened to be like attorney or lawyer? Was that one of them? No, no, no. Oh, 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 yeah. He, 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 oh, so they <laughs> word. <laughs> He almost tricked me into talking crap about attorneys. <laughs> hey, it's not attorney; it's federal prosecutor. I've been, I have been warned. Okay, all right, Andrea. Hey, John, you need to be quicker would, on the on the on the button on that. Come on. I was just gonna say, based on what Dave said, basically, it's kind of a no no win situation. Is kind of what it leaves with a lot of us with this is with the law enforcement side. You know, we want perfection. You know, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for some some sort of perfection, and we we can be flawless. And that's one thing that we've kind of talked about. I mean, you have two seconds to react on so many things, and and it just ends up being you know. I, I believe that that's truly what people want. They want that on and off switch, and they want it immediately. But you know what people need to understand is. You're dealing with human beings. You're dealing with people that are making split-second decisions. And and I, I think that, again, most people that I worked with were they wanted to do the right thing and they wanted to protect and serve and they wanted to do their job to the best of their ability. And yet you want us to, you know, flip it off and be, per you know, completely perfect at every moment. Corporal David, thanks, Andrea. Yeah, it, it, and, and yes, command presence was is, is a big thing. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And I scored high on that on every evaluation. Thank you very much. And Dave, you know what I, you know what I liked about the article, Dave? That, um, you know, how they, how you feel like, you know, do my, do my kids know, like when I was in, don't tell people what I do for a living, they all got that lecture. We're out somewhere, you don't tell people what daddy does, right? You, you don't want to be introduced at some party. Hey, this is John the cop. Because you get the stories about the tickets. I don't like cops. <laughs> I was in a crash once. Did you watch cops on TV last night? Yo, nonsense. You're like, look at dude. Yo, leave me alone. But my daughters both got that lecture. We're sitting around. I don't know the people. You don't tell them what I do for a living. Because I don't feel like talking to anybody. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and Ward with his, with his mic muted because <laughs> what? Come on, Ward. <laughs> federal prosecutor, you've got to have some good stories. I know, don't introduce me as a federal prosecutor. I may, have, I may have put some of these family members in jail around this party. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, bet you for, I bet you for attorneys, it's about, hey, can you help me out with a divorce? <laughs> oh, and, and, and think about it. Think about it, John. How many times have you been standing there? And 
I, I was never one that could remember names, but if I saw your face once, it was in my, role, my, my mental Rolodex for the rest of my life, and I could pick you out of a crowd, no problem. And there would be many, many times when I'd be standing in a crowd at a wherever, and I'd see a face, and I'd go, "Oh crap! I know this guy. Did I? Was it good or bad?" <laughs> as, as he's walking <laughs> toward you, saying, and you're waiting for the introduction. I'm going, "Oh crap! Is this going to be good or bad?" Because I either arrest this guy or it was a good experience. I don't remember which. That that's that's the other good one. Oh, thanks, uh, was- Andrea. I was just going to go back to a couple segments ago and then just now, you know, thanks, John, for pointing out all the fact that, like, you were talking about the men in skinny jeans. Yeah, where are you talking about my dating life? Where are the real men? Like, I'm looking for Thanks. Thanks, John. <laughs> wow. Yeah, thanks, John. All right, guys, we got a couple minutes here. So if there's nobody else on this one, we'll go to our next one then. And uh, we're on policeone.com, Connecticut police chief, city official, plead guilty in a hiring scam. You guys might remember that we just covered this, and this is Bridgeport, Connecticut. So two formerly high-ranking political appointees in Bridgeport, they admitted in federal court, so that's Ward's neck of the woods, on, uh, I guess on a Monday, that they rigged what was advertised as a national talent search for a new police chief to increase the likelihood that one of them got the job. So former police chief Armando J. Perez and City Personnel Director David Dunn, uh, they pled guilty to reduce charges of conspiracy to commit fraud and lying to FBI agents. Definitely not something you should you should do. Uh, just weeks after their arrest and the disclosure that agents had photographs, voice recordings, email, and text messages that documented the conspiracy that lasted for months. They both resigned within hours of their arrest back on September 10th. And uh, both men, Perez is 64, Dunn 73, so they're, they're a little bit, you know, pushing the age limit there. They face prison sentences in the 18 to 24-month range under uh, the federal uh, sentencing guidelines anyhow. So, uh, Attorney Ward, Ward, you know, you've got uh, roughly a uh, little over a minute. This was a very quick plea. Obviously, it's worked out probably uh, before or after, immediately after the arrest. My, my guess here, if I'm remembering this article, uh, is that they're after the mayor. I think he's the guy who actually went to jail at some point and was re-elected, re-elected. So I'm thinking we might hear more about that in the future. Wow. Could You you could be right. And anyhow, you know, a couple of these uh, old stories are, you know, popping back up for us to cover. So, so let's see uh, if there's no more comments. And guys, we've only got a few minutes here before we, uh, you know, we get to another break here. Uh, but on LeoFerris.com, this next one is titled Officers Nearly Ran Over by Car Suspect Drove Up Police Cruiser to Escape. And when when that when that when they when I say drove up police cruiser, it's more like driving over the police cruiser in order to escape. So yeah, there's a wild video associated with this, kind of similar to what we've already covered. So uh, we'll be, you know, jumping right back in this in just a second. So but guys, uh, before we get to the video, we're gonna go ahead and take a commercial break. So we'll be right back. Well, guys, I want to take a moment and tell you about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Throughout my career, I've seen firsthand what can happen if a law enforcement agency's extra duty program is not given the necessary attention and resources that it requires. Inefficiencies in detail awarding processes and payroll nightmares 
and collection calls, they can derail your staff's production and morale as well as jeopardize your agency's reputation. With proper oversight, your agency's extra duty, off-duty employment program, it can be profitable. Extra duty solutions, they administer these programs at no cost to your agency or municipality while taking on all the administrative burden and financial risk, such as bad debts from unpaid, unpaid invoices, and they actually float the cost. They utilize your agency's rules and processes and scheduling algorithms to avoid grievances, and they keep the program fair and transparent. So this way, the officers that are most eligible to work the assignments, they're actually the guys to get first crack at them. And Extra Duty Solutions have paid out over a whopping $50 million in extra duty work within the past 12 months, and they've never been late. So at no cost to your agency or municipality, the service is truly a win-win for your agency, customers, and most importantly, to the citizens of your community. I encourage you to visit their website at extradutysolutions.com. A new and more efficient way to administer your off-duty and extra-duty programs has arrived. guys we are back on leo roundtable and you know i know we were talking about a, a video before we uh, took that commercial break so erie police officers had to dodge a vehicle from crushing them as they attempted to arrest a man that suspect then somehow drove up on a guardrail over the top of a police cruiser all in an attempt to escape now, according to Erie News Now, the incident took place early on a Wednesday morning. Police were attempting to arrest David Schubert after they saw him drive down the wrong lane of a road. Now, police tried to pull him over, but then this guy speeds up after, uh, or I guess he's eventually cornered, but he speeds up to get away before being cornered. Officers can be heard yelling at Schubert to shut off the engine and to get out of the car, but of course he refuses. And what's he do? He pushes, pushes on the uh, gas pedal and he starts riding his car up on top of a guardrail over the top of a police cruiser. So now a second pursuit starts and Schubert eventually gives himself up. He faces a long list of charges, including DUI, which explains a lot, and aggravated assault with a vehicle. Um, Producer uh, Will, I know that we just talked about the video. I'm looking for comments, guys. But before we get to that, Producer Will, you have something for us? Hey, uh, MVS just donated 10 bucks. So you said, M how do you pronounce the name? MVS. MVS. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Will. And uh, Corporal David, you know, now MVS just uh, made a donation, David. So put on your, your you know, your, your <laughs> best verbiage for this. Yeah, exactly. My, my my bestest command presence is that is that it? Um, you know, hey, this is one work. of those things. This is one of those things that that Brett would have said. You know, this is this is kind of one of those things why we do this job because you you can't. I mean, the movies they all do this in the movies. It's it, it's just amazing to see these things actually happen. I'm glad nobody was hurt. None of the cops. Um, and it, it was probably an amazing thing to watch as long as it wasn't your patrol car. That the guy was running over. So other than that, it, again, it's one of those things you kind of go, "This is, geez, to see this stuff, you you, you can't you can't make it up." Uh, it's just it's just fascinating to uh, to see this kind of wildness from from people. Thanks, Corporal. Anybody else on this one? Uh, we got a small we got a smile from Andrea. You know, the girl with the uh, Trump hat on. You know, David made her smile. I gotta love that. So, all right, guys. If there's nobody else. We'll uh, go to our next one here then. We have a next main story now. It's on, there's something I'm going to say here. And, and uh, 
he doesn't look like really producer will but it's on policeone.com it's about the reader poll are cops protecting themselves off duty but the guy that wrote it, his name is cole zirko i don't know if he's if he's uh new to writing but he, he looks just looking at him he looks like the one guy that would not be writing about law enforcement stuff i don't know what it is i'm just look just by judging by the picture so i always when i see his picture and his articles i always read with anticipation to see what he's going to say so uh he starts off by saying that uh recently they asked their readers a series of questions related um to their operational safety habits while off the clock do officers have good operational safety ha or security habits and here are the results so in the question, uh, do you have any law enforcement related decals on your personal vehicle or on display at your home? Now, this is something we've talked about a lot. Uh, David DeGresta usually, um, you know, pushes the buttons for it. Uh, Chief Newman already talked about, made reference to a couple of things in here a little earlier tonight. But we're talking about uh, Leo related decals on the personal vehicles. Uh, 50, over 55% said no, that they do not. But Almost 35% said yes. And then we have 9.20% uh, that said, I used to, but I recently removed them. And uh, then the next question, do you commute to and from work in your uniform? And so 527 people said no, a little less than that. 505 said yes. Um, I know, well, well, let me keep going here. Um, 85 people said I used to, but not anymore. And then 82 people said sometimes. I know when I did, and I was in a Mark Cruiser. I put on a, a jumpsuit so no one could see, know that I was, you know, um, I take that back. I wasn't in a, in a Mark car. I was in my cool car. I put on a jumpsuit so I was in uniform. No one could tell. Now, uh, going back to the next one here, do you carry one wallet for your police credentials and one wallet for everything else? 40, over 44% said yes. Over 55% said no. And now, finally, John, does your family know not to reveal you're an officer when you are off duty and in, a public, and in public with them? It should have said, you know, an officer or a federal prosecutor. But uh, uh, 977, the vast majority said yes. 131 said no. And then 113, uh, the smallest percentage said no, but I plan to discuss it with them. I'll tell you, you guys are so right, man. I, I, my wife is coach, so she's she knows exactly what to say, but you're right. People find out who you are. You get those questions, Dave, and then it just goes on and on and on. So, uh about two minutes, Dave. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, the only the only evidence of, of law enforcement stuff is a couple of two or three plaques on the wall. Nothing on the cars. I said that a long time ago. I think somebody laughed at me on this panel, but I'm not sure who that was. Said I was living in the, my parents' basement, but uh, I don't remember. Um, the commute to work thing is interesting because if you remember in Tampa and some other places that either have take-home cars or do not have take-home cars, so you're driving into car and you're into work and your personal stuff there's another layer to that a lot of guys that i know would have you know well tinted windows so they people couldn't really see in their car to see them driving to work or they had uniforms and, and lockers and stuff like that so that was kind of an interesting thing and then of course lastly but uh, last but not least you know um for ward's benefit i i don't care any wallets or any id i'm going down the sovereign citizen road <laughs> wow all right, you went there, didn't you? You had to throw that in there, huh? All right. Any, I know. Anybody else on this one? All right, if there's not, then we will move to our next one. Then we've got an update on this one. And uh, I've got roughly a minute here before we take our next break. But PoliceOne.com, Texas officer is facing a murder charge and a fatal uh, shooting, and he was fired. So this is in Dallas. 
and uh, the city of Wolf City. They fired the police officer who shot and killed a man for what it called an egregious violation of the city and police department's policies. Now, the officer's name is Sean Lucas, 22 years old. He's actually behind bars right now. He's in a murder charge after he shot and killed 31-year-old Jonathan Price um, on a Saturday. Uh, Lucas is white and Price was black. And uh, no, it's not a... Uh, The article is written by the Dallas Morning News uh, Ward, so I know what you're uh, were immediately thinking. Uh, Lucas was called about 8.30 p.m. on Saturday about a possible fight in progress at a convenience store. And, you know, we're going to get more into what happened with that. But, guys, we're going to take a commercial break, so we will be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they took the confusion out of learning and made it easy. GunLearn.com, it's the first and only company that offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. So start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can actually get free training for yourself and for the personnel at your agency if you host a seminar at no cost to your agency. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Our good friend and also panelist, uh, you know, actually started the company, Dan O'Kelly. And uh, we're, we're big supporters on that. guys welcome back to leo roundtable now i know we were right in the thick of it here and we're going to jump right back into this video so uh lucas was called about 8 30 p.m in the evening about a possible fight in progress at a convenience store so when lucas our cop arrives uh, price approaches him extends his hand for a handshake asking the officer you doing good several times and Lucas later said that he believed Price was intoxicated and tried to detain him. And, of course, this is just typical when we go somewhere and, and people do this crap. So the officer tried to grab Price's arm, gave him verbal commands before pulling out his taser and deploys it on our inebriated bad guy, Price. Now, Price walks towards Lucas while being struck by the taser, appears to grab the end of the taser. So this is kind of similar to what we talked about with the, uh, you know, with the— um, with the sovereign citizen, Lucas then fires four shots from a service weapon. He strikes Price, the bad guy, in the upper torso, he, who later dies at the hospital. Now, Price's family and friends have said that uh, he had been trying to break up a fight just before he was killed, and that witnesses told them that he had his hands up when the officer fired his taser. No doubt that that's false and a lie. So Lucas's attorney, Robert Rogers, though, has previously said that the officer only discharged his weapon in accordance with Texas law and fired his gun when Price attempted to take his taser. So, uh, you know, I admit we don't have a lot of information with this. We don't have a nice crisp video, uh, but, uh, you know, we've got another cop being charged. And of course, the whole country's, you know, watching what's going on, as well as the people that are doing, you know, uh, the peaceful, you know, riots and protesting and all that stuff, looting, fires, all that stuff. So any any comments on this guy? Guys, um, David, I see you're, you're moving. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I feel, I almost feel like we have to. I, we get so much 
bullcrap pushback from some of the um, YouTube uh, warriors that say, oh, you guys never talk about stuff when the cops in the wrong and so on and so forth. Well, you know, yes, I agree that we don't have a lot of information about what happened, but um, given what I've read so far, it it it's going right down the the road of the um, of the dog at the at the uh, at the pound. I mean, either there was a failure of of in hiring, a failure in training, a failure in something. I mean, what what did this guy do? The victim, the person that was shot, I won't call him a victim yet, but the the victim do that prompted him to be the sole focus of the responding officer to what was a fight between a man and a woman in a parking lot of a convenience store. So what are we missing? What, what isn't being told in the story, but what, where was the failure here? Uh, hiring, training, all the above? I, there's something, something went horribly, horribly wrong, obviously. You know, Chip, I, I, you know, I, Dave made the assa same assessment. There's a lot missing, right? Kids, guy's 22, right? I'm like, wow, like pretty young, small agency. You know, but there's a lot I like to know why he didn't do certain things. It doesn't, from what I read, it sounds, it doesn't sound good. I mean, you know, even if he puts his hands on the taser, um, I, I'd like to know more information from based on what we do right know right now. It, it doesn't look good. So is there that gap or that, you know, missing where he should have gotten more training or he didn't know what to do or he felt so, you know, there's something there that I'd like to be able to say, hey, look, it's a good shoot. It's a bad shoot. From what you see right now, it doesn't look like a good shoot at all. But there's a lot more information I'm sure that's going to come out. At least you hope. That's true. At least we hope so. All right. Well, thanks, Chief. Appreciate that. If there's nobody else, guys, we're going to move on to the next one then. And let's see. We've got a video associated with this. And I've been holding on to this one, police1.com. San Diego officers shoot man who pointed a gun at them. Now, uh, of course, we're in San Diego. So following a public outcry, police released this video of an officer involved shooting of an armed suspect in downtown San Diego. The 25-year-old Leonardo Hurtado Ibarra was a suspect in a robbery. It, the, now, the robbery happened uh, back in June, um, according to the San Diego Union-Tribune. Officers attempted to make contact with Ibarra in downtown San Diego on a Saturday when the shooting occurred. The incident prompted protests uh, later that day. And, of course, we're talking about the San Diego Police Department. So in the video, uh, which captures multiple agents, or I guess, multiple people and angles. Two officers attempt to contact the suspect. Suspect starts to run, reaches into his waistband, points an object at the two officers, and that's when they discharge their service weapons. Now, the object appeared to be a loaded revolver wrapped in a bandana, which the officers found under the, under the suspect's body as he was handcuffed. And the department posted a picture of the revolver. Now, our bad guy went to surgery, was in the intensive care unit. And so that's you know, all that I've got as far as his condition. Any comments, guys, on that video or the uh, or the shooting? Because we talked about public outcry. And, uh, David, you got uh, roughly, you know, two minutes or so. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the whole public outcry crap. But San Diego, what do you – I mean, California, you know, what do you expect? Um, here we talked – we talked about this before. Two cops working together, they, they, they know who they're – They've got this guy they know they're looking for for a robbery. Um, they see him. They've got the Rolodex of the faces in their head, and, and, and there he is. 
Uh, they, they roll up, pop out of the car. I really wish they would have gotten rid of their cell phones a little bit faster. But I see the guy fiddling with his cell phone as he's getting out of the car with it. Um, that's, the I guess, the millennials um, in him. But anyways, uh, they, they roll up on the sidewalk, give the guy a couple of commands, and he's obviously a no person. He makes those, those obvious movements that we all know and fear of going for that object in the waistband and then, and then drawing it out. And the guns are already coming out of their holsters and coming to bear at that. What was the, what was the, the, uh, the last article at the low ready? And as soon as that thing comes up out of his waistband, they're, they're uh, locking onto the target and they're, and they're putting rounds on target uh, effectively. A, a, a perfect example of cops on the, on the job, on the beat, doing, doing their job effectively. So I, I, there's nothing wrong with this. Dave's spot on. There's nothing wrong with it. But I can tell you right now, this is what people are going to find wrong with it. When you watch that body cam, they're going to say, the average person who does not know what we do for a living, there's no way the officer saw those moves from that far away in the video. In other words, what you see in the body cam looks so far away. It looks so small. No way they're going to be able to make that assessment. But they did. And they were right. And it was the, the appropriate action to take. So... There are some issues that you have when you look at body cam or people say, oh, he's too far away. He was only guessing. They didn't guess. They knew exactly who this guy was, what he was all about, and he, and he was armed and he would have hurt them. So to show the video, you know, sometimes I, I like showing the video because I think it's going to you know, disprove a lot of these things that you see. But in this case here, it always looked far away. I thought they did a great job. This is exactly what you know. Something. This is what you want your police officers to do. They knew who he was. They knew he was a bad guy. They knew he was a threat, and he actually threatened them. I thought it was a good shoot. So, just real quick, based on like the total assessment, I think we've talked about this a number of times. Like, I agree. I mean, I think that yeah, you can watch the video, but sometimes it's intuition. Sometimes you have to follow like whatever's going on. You have to sit there and you have to take the totality of everything, and you have to take your training. I mean, sometimes. There, I know a lot of cops that just, they're just good cops. Like they know when, when stuff's going to go bad, it's going to go bad. Um, and I think that that's the thing is you kind of have to, there are little indicators, there are little indicators that you just kind of know. And I mean, you know, it, if you, if you have it, you have it. Um, some people don't, but I do feel like some of us just have an intuition where, you know, you can take the video, the video is going to help your stance, but this is why I'm a little bit slow to speak on things. I know some other people might be too. Until you have the report, the Thanks. the video. Go. Guys, we got another commercial break coming up, so we'll be right back. All right, guys. Hey, thank you. You know, I want to talk to you all about our Deadly Force Scenario training videos, and we have those at leoroundtable.com. If you go to the website, scroll all the way down, you'll see that we have 11 of those. Now, it seems like we get together every two years and produce those, and it's uh, Brett and I have been producing those, so I guess for like, what, the last four years, and we're, we're set to do the next set. Um, so... I'm going to throw out an offer uh, to our uh, subscriber base. And, uh, you know, we've got the actor thing lined up. You know, David's, you know, our star actor. And he doesn't want us to replace him with anybody. And, you know, we have to get him a trailer and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, the food that he wants now, it's just out of, it's just out of control. And, and now adding John and Andrea to the mix, you know, it's just it's just really bad. But anyhow, what we would like to do is get ideas uh, for scenario-based training. So any ideas you have, things that you would like to see us put on film, we shoot these things 
things from different camera angles so that, you know, the first time, you know, you might watch it and primarily for civilians, they watch it, they think, okay, this is just a bad shoot. We show you the same scenario filmed at the same exact time from a different camera angle and you see, oh, wow, the bad guy actually had his hand on the cop's gun or he had a knife or he was doing this or he was doing that. So we change, we, we, we get you to change your mind about whether it's a good or bad shoot, depending on what you see. And we do that so that we won't have these rush the judgments on social media uh, that we have so much on these, you know, videos that people publish because you simply cannot tell, you know, from, you know, a video on social media. So chipdeblock at gmail.com. That's my email. So chipdeblock at gmail.com. Go to our site, click on a link, link to send me, you know, an email as well. And Guys, you know, that said, I do want to talk to you guys about the Viridian Fact Duty weapon mounted camera idea. It was born when the company owner and the employees watched as communities around the country were literally being torn apart and burned down over the lack of evidence and multiple officer involved shootings. Should sound pretty familiar today. Now, they use existing patented technologies and innovative design to create the fact duty. That's the FACT duty. And it's become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. Now, the gun camera fits standard police duty weapons and holsters, and it records automatically when the officer's gun is pulled out of the holster. Provides an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, and it overcomes inherent issues that you have with body cams. So body and dash cameras were not designed to capture officer-involved shootings, but the Viridian gun cameras were designed specifically for that purpose. So the fact duty employs a 1080p full high definition digital camera with a microphone. It also has a 500 lumen tactical light. Viridian's proprietary instant on technology means that the fact duty generates just a small fraction of the data to manage compared to other law enforcement recording options because it only records when the officer's weapon is actually drawn. That results in significantly lower comparative data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems. Data is stored securely and easily transferred per agency protocol with existing software technology. So for more information on the fact duty, you can go to gun-camera.com for more information. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to Leo Roundtable. Now, Andrea, I know that you were deep in conversation on that when we had to when we had to cut you off, and, and now I know David wants to jump in too. But uh, but go ahead, guys, battle it out. Oh, uh, yeah, a Andrea hit on a, hit on a good point about about the intuition, which is why I did shoot Ward first before he was able to get a shot off in the other videos. I just wanted to point <laughs> that out and make that point. Uh, you know, our users are so going to be going to the website now to watch. What, and I don't even remember what video. It was one of the later videos. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, and that's, that's, that is debatable because, you know, Ward's got a different version of that story. And, of course, he's got that Sean Connery look while he's swinging his hair in the video, kind of like in a slow motion. He whips the gun around. You see him pop around. David reacts. David says that, you know, it wasn't the recoil of, of the round of Ward's round hitting him, but it was the recoil from his gun going. I don't know what. Andrea? Hold on. I got to watch this. I send that to me. I got to watch it. <laughs> I need to watch Leo that video. Scroll down to the bottom. I'm going. I'm going there. I'm going. I got to watch right. it. I like Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, See Ward, there you go. Maybe, maybe he's not going to leave and go to Costa Rica after all. You know, he's going to. Now we're going to start having women, he, you know, sending emails in wanting to meet Sean Connery in person. He's got to go to Costa Rica so I can find a home there. You got to show me where to find. A, I need to find a house there. All right. Uh, yeah, we should. We should all go down at the same time and visit him. 
All right. If there's nobody else, I guess we'll move on to our next one here then. So we have another main story. And when I say main, there are some deeper um, topics that we talk about. And I, I like to, you know, we get a lot of good conversation on these. So there's really typically no videos to go with them, but they're, they're uh, good articles. Now, I found this one on Police One. It kind of hit home with me in one area, which is why I decided to cover it. It's titled, Toddler Dies in Hot Car After Dad Refuses Cops Offer to Break Window. Now, the reason why I'm covering this article is my subtitle that I came up with was, Did Police Need the Vehicle Owner's Permission to Break Into the Car to Save the Baby? The baby's life obviously i think we know the answer to that but in reading the article in this happened in las vegas and we usually get great videos and great decisions out of the las vegas police department uh you know by and large but a las vegas man refused several efforts according to the article to get into his car where his toddler was locked inside leading to officers finding her dead when they finally finally broke in now sydney neal he's i'm sorry sydney deal he's Kind of deal and he's in las vegas you get it david uh he's 27 years old though he's charged with child abuse or neglect causing substantial bodily harm now deal's arrest report shows that he told metro police the toddler would be okay inside the car because the air, con air conditioning system was on you would think that that would be something that could be verified now at the same time deal was refusing the police offer the police offer to break into his car because he could not afford to damage his new vehicle. The police report detailed deals movements over a 42 minute period during which the toddler was stuck inside the car. Police believe that she was actually in there uh, for at least an hour. Now during deals efforts to get into the car, his insurance company offered to send a tow truck, but he declined due to the cost. He also rejected an officer's offer to call locksmith. Now, while Deal did call police over to help him, it wasn't until several minutes later that he consented the officers breaking the window. And it is unclear how long Deal refused the police the police's help. But obviously, by the time they got in there and stuff, you know, it was just it was too late. So that said, Andrea Casal, go ahead. Real quick, this happened to me. Um, well, that was one call that I had, and and I don't think that they were real happy with me breaking their window, but we went back and forth very briefly. And when I knew that we weren't going to have somebody that was going to be able to come and open that door, there's no way. And H-E double hockey sticks. I don't know if we can say that. Um, but I didn't, there was no way that I wasn't going to break that window. So, I mean, we did, we broke the window. We got the child out. I had the risk management form right there for them to sign. I'll, I'll take that hit. Like whatever happens, there's no way that we're not getting that child out of the car. There are, there are means to get the child out of the car. I don't care. I would have taken a paper on it, whatever would have happened. But um, there's no excuse for any of that. Absolutely not. Thanks, Andrea. Um, and, and, and no need for paper from my perspective, but David, I don't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I, again, the, the, the article was kind of odd. I mean, a cop's offer to break a window? <laughs> offer. Okay. <laughs> Sure. Um, he's getting slapped and, and set to, sent to the, uh, to the, to the sidewalk and, and the windows are going down. Um, I, the only thing it didn't say in this article was what the police officers were observing in the car. I mean, when you look through the window at this child that's in the car, what is the child doing? Is it, is it standing on the seat staring at you? Is it just kind of, you right. know, because we've been on calls. I've been on calls where somebody's locked their car and the kid's in the car. It's in a, and maybe it's in a child seat or something like that. And you get there, and it's like, okay, you, you can look, and you can see the kid is looking at you going, wow, what are you? Who are you? What, what's going on? And there's no real distress. So even though that, that wasn't 
spelled out in the article, I think it was probably from the fact that the child died. I think it's fairly obvious that the, the child must have been in some sort of distress. And so for police to offer, I don't know what they got going on in Las Vegas, but there would have been no offer. There would have been stand back because the window's coming, coming out. Um, and like Andrew said, you know, the risk management form, have a nice day. Sorry about your, sorry about your window, but the kid's not staying in there. I, I don't understand any of that, um, especially the offer to break window. Mm, no offer. No, you know, I, when, I, when this story broke, I was wondering the same thing. You have to wonder if we're not getting everything. Because, you know, even, look, my daughter, brand new grandson, a few years ago, truck was running, and he's waving to us, you know, and he locked the car. And after about 30 seconds, my daughter says enough, enough. They broke the window because, you know, he, he was never going to open it and we couldn't get in. And he was fine. You know what I'm saying? But my, my daughter's like, I need to get in the car now, break the window. I don't know if we're not getting the whole story. Don, you're, you're a little garbled, your, your microphone. So I just wanted to let you know that. So, uh, but Andrea, go ahead. I agree completely. I think that we need to, you know, observe what's going on inside there. I think that the biggest thing is, is, you know, if you have a child that's crying, although people think that it's horrible for a child to cry, that's actually a really good thing. You know, they're crying, they're okay, they're coherent. It's once you start to see them limp or asleep or something like that, then you have to be concerned. And I think that, you know, those are the different things that if you're not picking those things up as a law enforcement officer, that's where it becomes an issue. You know, you need to understand the signs of distress. You need to understand, okay, if they're starting to cry and they're starting to panic, okay, we're getting to that point where that window is going to get broken real soon if you don't get another means there. But, you know, once they go limp, once they go to sleep, once you don't have any indicators of what's going on next, um, you know, you might want to make a a pretty quick decision and and i think that if you don't have those tools you're in the wrong profession thanks andrea yeah and, and you know good points guys everybody um you know i you know it, it's late enough we got a couple minutes left before we're gonna have to sign off so we don't really have time to go to a new topic i do want to talk about this you know just a little bit more um i know david's gonna guys, chime in yeah I'm, I'm sorry i was looking for it here, here it is i carried this on my belt for Many, many years of my career, you can see the other little fun things on my belt, along with my handy-dandy opener. But Bottle this, opener. it's called it, it's called a rescue me. It's a it's a window breaker, and I hate to I hate to you know ha um, hack products on on, on screen, but it, it goes on your keychain, and it's a it's a window punch, breaks windows, and cuts seatbelts. You can see that. It's a great little tool. I bought it for uh, my squad for Christmas one year. I think they're not that expensive. It's called a rescue me, a great little thing to have. Breaks windows like a champ. Good deal. Uh, you know, I, I tell you, for a second there, I, I thought, because knowing that you live in a in a jurisdiction that outlaws having handcuffed keys, you know, unless you're certified Leo, I, you know, I must, I, I but I, I just, I saw it very quickly. So I'm sure I got it wrong, David. So, no, oh, it, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Still got some of them too, if, if, if you know. Hey, for those for those of you that have balls and they're not afraid of them, asps work real well too. Because usually those aren't in your belt. But I'm just saying, like asps work really well. But I always had a tool in my car. Every every single car, I had a tool where you could just smash out the window real fast, cut the seatbelt. Thank, all excellent. And you know, you made a good point, Andrea, that if you can't make those hard decisions in this profession, you know, you're just you're just 
in in the wrong profession you know so whether or not you're going to get paper or not there's just some things that you need to do this is obviously not a, a paper thing but uh it, it definitely was the right thing to do we're talking about you know human life for god's sake so um guys uh you know this has been a a, a great ride in, a, in a, a great episode so i know that our uh, our current time is getting pretty uh pretty thin so i'm gonna go and sign off guys thank you so much to our panel for being here and for our support group on youtube also, a shout out to our sponsors. We have uh, Calm Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, Viridian Weapon Technologies. A shout out to uh, Good Talk Radio and also Boss Hog Radio Network. Hope everybody has a great week.